Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu Ipe. It is great to have Pastor Alan George from Life Church on the podcast with us today. Pastor Alan, how are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Uh, Emily is obviously on this call as well. And uh, uh, Emily, what are you looking forward to uh, hearing when it comes to what uh, what God's been doing uh, through Alan at, at Life Church? Yeah, I'm excited to hear really about, um, I think he's going to really encourage people about that our past doesn't always dictate our future and our present and that no matter what we've been through or what we've done that you know there is the redemption power of Christ and we're going to see that in Alan's life and then we're going to see really what God's doing now through him and being able to impact really they're impacting the world and the work that he's doing there so I'm excited to really hear that and have that encouragement for people that no matter where you are right now that's not where you know, you have to stay, or if you're, if you're dealing with stuff that you, you know, allowed shame or guilt from your past, that God redeems everything. So I'm excited to learn more about that part of the story. Awesome. So Alan, why don't you start off with giving us just a quick glimpse of what you do today? Um, what is Life Church all about? What's the kind of impact you're making and your role uh, in the church today? We'll come back and talk a little bit more details on that later. But just start off with uh, giving people that are listening uh, a sense of who you are today and what you do at Life Church. So um, I'm Alan, and I currently live in Edmond, Oklahoma, with my wife Meryl. We've been married for 13 years uh, this year. We have three kids; they are nine, seven, and three. So it's a full house. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife mm-hmm. and myself we both work at Life Church. And uh, Life Church, we are one church in multiple locations. Currently, we have 27 locations in the U.S. And we also do what we call church online. And I serve as a church online pastor here. Um, and if you're wondering, what is church online? It's that. It's church, but it's online. Um, and it's been amazing to see what God's done through our church. We've also created this little uh, app called the Bible app. Uh, we are close to hitting 200 million downloads for the U-version wow. app, so we are excited wow. about that. Our That's desire awesome. is to see the most, um, we want to see this generation as the most engaged generation when it comes mm-hmm. to school. And um, I'm, uh, quick story, growing up, I grew up in Bahrain. Um, Finu and I, we grew up together. I might be a little bit older than he is, so. Just but, a little, not that much. <laughs> don't, don't let your gray hair uh, for you, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not that much of a difference. Um, but I remember when I was growing up, my dad used to be part of this organization called Gideons. And the Gideons, if, for those of you who might not have heard of it, it's, it's this organization that places Bibles in different companies, hotels, things like that. And I remember carrying this box of Bibles as my dad would go, uh, and Bahrain is an Arab country, and he would go talk with the staff at the hotel and convince them that they need to put a Bible in every room. And I remember doing that as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. Now to be a part of what God's doing through Life Church with version, we're literally doing the same thing. We're giving the Bible away for free all over mm-hmm. the world. So um, uh, with regards to multi-site and the version Bible app and church online, 
outside of that, we also do this thing where we give away our resources for free. And that's something our leadership was challenged a long time ago. Um, and, and there's different ways of doing it. God just called us as a church to give it away for free. And so when it comes to our message resources, our kids curriculum, youth curriculum, anything that you would think that a church needs, mm-hmm. we do all of that and give it away for free. So it's just, wow. it's like we're, we're trying to get out of God's way and let him do what he does. So it, it's really thrilling and exciting to be part of what he's doing. So as uh, the pastor of the online campus, how many nations are you impacting on an average week right now? Every country and territory. When you say every, you mean literally every place on earth. There was North Korea and China uh, a couple of years ago were the only ones that we couldn't get into, but we figured out a way to get into it. So we're there too. Wow. We're available there, but we actually have had people from every country and territory attend one of our services. So it's not just that we're there, but people from there are attending. That's incredible. So tell us, um, you know, you shared a little bit of your heritage with your dad and Gideon's. Tell us a little bit of where you started from. How did this all start? Where did you, what's your background? Uh, Were you the ideal candidate to be the pastor of church online and impact the world? Did uh, people growing up when you were, you know, growing up in the Middle East always say, well, Alan's going to do something great for God and, you know, reach, reach the world for Jesus. Uh, or what was, what was the story? What's, what's, what's behind Alan George and where you started off? So um, I think for me, we grew up in a Christian home. Um, I, it was, there were two of us, me and my older sister. Um, she doesn't like me saying older sister, uh, but she, yeah. And so the two of us, um, I, I, I wouldn't say I was the perfect child by any means. I, um, uh, my, my sister did great in school, and she was literally the perfect kid, I think. Um, and I struggled when it came to school. I struggled uh, with my education earlier on. Um, so when I started doing bad in that, I think in hindsight, when I look back, I can see it might have been insecurity or whatever the reason. I, I tried to find acceptance in other areas. And so that found me into a, find myself getting into a lot of trouble. Um, fast forward, ended up dropping out of high school and just didn't make the didn't make really any good decisions whatsoever. Um, I thought if I had a lot of friends, if I could get into all the, the, the cool parties or if I could get into trouble, whatever, I thought that was what I would that was what would make me more popular or people would like me more or accept me more. But I didn't realize that there was it was actually based out of insecurity, based out of this deep desire there was a void in my heart and i didn't know how else to fill it i think things got pretty bad when my dad passed away in 99 and i struggled with that because my parents were followers of christ and i i had questions of why did my dad have to pass away in a car accident it was unexpected people were saying that he was going to be used in a mighty way he was but we thought that there was so much more he was getting ready to you know retire and get into full-time ministry and things like that and, and so all of those brought up more questions of, man, if there was a good God, why would he do that? If anything, I should have been the one that should have died, not him. Um, and so it, I just struggled with a lot of those things and just went from bad to worse. So I think, I don't think anybody would have said, um, hey, he's going to be a, forget a pastor. I mean, I don't even think they would have said he, he's a Christian. Um, I just, I knew God existed. I didn't struggle with that. I knew God existed. I just... I didn't think that he liked me very much. And so I thought, if, well, if God doesn't like me, then I'm just going to go play for the other team. 
and I'm very competitive. And so if I'm doing something, I'm going to do it with all of my heart. Mm-hmm. And so if you're sinning, uh, we say this, you know, if people say that, yeah, I've never really had much fun sinning. Well, then you've been doing it wrong because sinning can be fun, but it's temporary. You know, you, you, it's, it doesn't last forever. And so you try to just, it's that vicious cycle. If you just try to keep, keep doing whatever you can to keep that high up. And so I, I think, I don't think anybody would have said that about me. I, I think my life was probably an absolute mess before I came face to face with Christ. So. That's incredible. And what was that like? So when, uh, when was that moment when you came face to face with Christ? What changed? Because obviously you had all the facts from grow, you know, growing up in church. You, you knew everything that you needed to know. But uh, I imagine there was something more than just knowledge of the word and knowledge of Christ and the fact that you knew God existed uh, there was something more than that that impacted you that caused you to actually turn your life over to Christ and play on his team, if you will. What was that? How, how did that happen? You know, what's interesting is when my dad and my mom, they got saved pretty late in life. And my dad always felt like he had to catch up. Mm-hmm. And so he was very passionate about sharing the gospel wherever we went. If we were you know, on vacation as a family, if we were on an airplane, whatever, it didn't matter. He was always sharing the gospel with somebody. And so at a young, excuse me, at a young age, I saw, I think short of somebody rising up from the dead, I've probably seen like most miracles of lame people walking, deaf ears being open, blind seeing, uh, cancer being healed. I mean, just all sorts of stuff. So much so that, again, that's what was in my mind. Like I knew God existed. I knew miracles were there. I had people prophesy all the time. Like they would just, I, I almost started, it became quite amusing to me because People would be like, oh, you're going to be like David. You're going to be like Joseph. You're going to be, it's like every Bible character. It's like, okay, I'm I'm tired of hearing that. And and I think what I really wanted was I didn't want to hear from God through others. I wanted to hear from God one-on-one. If God, my, my argument, my tension, my struggle was if God was alive and if he really cared for me, I see him doing all these things in other people's lives. Well, if you really love me, then you tell me that you love me. That was... I don't think that's how I started, but that was where my life was getting to. And the change happened when this was after my dad passed away. I was just tired of living because there there really was no, it wasn't fun anymore. Um, I got into some interesting situations where money became available. And so money wasn't a, a problem anymore either. And so having all that I thought that I needed and I still felt empty. I knew, okay, this was not working out. So I thought, let me just end this life. But I was afraid of taking my own life. And I struggled with that too. I was like, man, I don't want to live. And I'm too afraid to die. I'm not too afraid to die. I'm too afraid to kill myself. And so I don't, you know, I'm, I'm nervous of that. And so I was stuck. And so I don't know if you know what it feels like to be stuck, but I was stuck with nowhere to go. And I was sitting, um, Finu, you probably remember this, right by the Sheraton Hotel in Bahrain, there's the beach. Yes. And there was, they had a couple of benches there. And a friend of mine, we sat, we were there, and I was just sharing my heart to this guy. And he um, just recently, he had at that time just recently turned his life to Christ. And, and he told me, he's like, why don't you just give God a shot? And I was like, why? I mean, he's, you know, he doesn't want to have anything to do with me because look at the mess I've made of my life. And he just kept saying, just 
why aren't you just ask God? And I said, yeah, like he's going to answer me. And so just, just to keep him quiet, I said, fine. And I remember I had a cigarette in my hand. I was sitting on that bench looking at the, looking at the ocean there. It was probably midnight or 1 a.m. And I just looked up because I thought that's probably where God is. And I was like, God, if you care for me, if you love me, then I want you to tell me yourself. And I thought, once I do that, now can you just shut up? Because God kept quiet. Well, little did I know that God had something else up his, his sleeve. And I don't know if it was an audible voice or if it was in my heart, but I heard what I believe was the voice of God. I heard that voice tell me, you are my son. I do love you and I care about you. And I just heard those three things over and over again. Well, that freaked me out so much that I just caught a hold of my friend's hand. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And the cool part is he heard the same thing because, you know, God knew me. He knew that I would wake up the next day and be like, well, I was probably a little high on something. And I just imagined that whole thing and, and I would just brush it aside. But he heard the exact same thing. And I say, you tell me what you heard. And he told me exactly what he heard, which is what I heard. And ever since that, that was July 2000. And ever since that day, just I just switched, switched teams because I knew God loved me and I knew he cared about me. And, and that's all I needed. Wow. That is, uh, that is powerful. Mm-hmm. I just, just for uh, any listeners that are there that maybe are in that place, because I feel like um, I've heard that a lot where people, they're in this place where they feel like they're stuck there. And that can make a difference. Sometimes we're talking about living on mission for God and how do we find God's mission for our life. And I feel like that's a place that people get to where they're like stuck and they can't move forward. And so it actually obviously stops, hinders them from, um, living in the call that God has for them. So if we have listeners right there who feel like they're in that place where they're stuck, they're not sure. Is there something that you would say to them? Maybe one or two things that you would say to someone who um, maybe currently is in that place that you were in. I think if, if you are not currently a follower of Christ and you're where I, I was, I, I don't think there's, there's anything that is hindering you from doing exactly what I did. Um, and it's calling out to God. We serve a God that's alive. We serve a God that's living. Um, countries all over the world, they they make idols out of stone and wood and clay. And it, it's, it's interesting because they actually have to carry their gods around. And that's not the case for us. Our God carries us around. He holds us mm-hmm. in hands. And he has ears to hear, eyes to see, mouth so he can speak. And so if you're currently not a follower of Christ or you struggle with that question, I would say just ask him. Um, maybe he'll speak to you like he spoke to me. Maybe he'll speak to you in a different way, but he is a living God and he will speak to you. For those who are listening that are probably currently followers of Christ and they're maybe in that position, uh, you know, I something hit me when my kids were little and they were learning how to walk. Um, they would take a step, two steps, three steps, and I would, even if they were headed to a place that I didn't want them to go, I would still let them walk. But then I would just pick them up and turn them, pick them up and turn them so that because I didn't want them to stop learning how to walk. I want them to keep trying. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't like carry them and bring them to the couch if that's where they were wanting to go because I want them, their legs to get stronger. But as their dad, I can I can treat them, you know, I can change directions. I believe that as a child of God, God does that for us. And so if we 
take a step of faith and if we're walking a direction, he is so big, he can lift us up and tweak us and turn us and change directions for us. So I think the last thing that we would want to do, we shouldn't be just sitting still saying, God, what should I do? I, my thought has always been get up and walk, yeah. get up and walk. And if the, if you if you don't know what to take, what step to take next, just pray and say, God, your word says that you guide the steps of the righteous and I am trusting you that you're going to direct my steps. And so take that step. You move when you can and God's faithful to move us when, if, if he needs us to. And Alan, if someone's listening to you right now and they're asking themselves, they're telling themselves, you know what? I am actually doing what you're talking about. I'm actually having fun sinning right now. Um, and they're looking at you on the other side today and they're saying, why? Why did you do it? What did you not have? What were you missing that you felt that you needed to reach out to God, that you even needed to cry out and say, God, if you're there, um, what would you say to them? What are they missing out on? I think there were times when I didn't know this, but majority of the time, I don't know what word to use other than this word. I just, it was, it was an empty feeling. You can take the most beautiful bottle or the most beautiful cup or glass and if it's empty it, there's just it's just it's not being used to its full potential and i just remember coming home at night and and i have a couple of um just distinct memories in my mind where i came home after some party or whatever and it it felt great at the time it felt like there were a lot of friends and all that but when i was by myself alone just trying to get to sleep i was like what what was the point of that like nothing i didn't get anything out of it like this is this just doesn't feel i felt like there was more to life and i'm sitting here just in the shallow section of the pool in the kiddie pool when there is an amazing opportunity for me out there but i just didn't know what it was it just felt like if all of this life was meant if if all this life was going to lead to feeling this way then this is not worth living and that's what kind of brought me to that place of is this it? Because whether you're a speed junkie or a party junkie or whatever your crave is, like you always hit that spot of, is this it? And, and you can have all the fame, you can have the money, and it still felt like, so I can have everything I want. Okay, well, what, what else is there? That It just didn't hit that. It didn't answer that question for me, which today... I don't know how to explain this, but I'm not a billionaire or, you know, I, I haven't like traveled the world or I haven't done like so many amazing things, but I'm content. And I don't know how else to explain. When I think, when I see my kids, when I see my wife, I'm telling you guys, I do not deserve that girl. I don't deserve these kids. But for some reason, God was merciful and, and it's just, the, just that relationship with him, that the ability to connect with the one who created everything, that is worth it. That brings content. That brings this feeling of, all right, this is worth it. This life now is worth it because it's with him. Wow. So now you've gone from obviously finding Christ and that relationship with him, which I think was what a profound, significant story uh, and, and journey. And, um, and I know we'll talk about it more at Go Conference, but you talked about coming to, you know, an encounter with Christ to today, 
not only did you have an encounter with Christ, now you're actually impacting the world. And part of what we talk about on the podcast, Alan, is how do we connect with God's mission for our life? So there are a lot of Christians that do love God. They know God. They serve God. They've been in church. They, you know, they're an usher or they're, you know, maybe on the worship team or they help with kids ministry, et cetera, et cetera. And all of that is wonderful. But, but there are people that are doing some of that, but they feel like, man, I don't know if I'm really connected with God's mission. I don't know if I'm really doing everything God's called me to do. And so you went from being a Christian, loves God, you know, all of that to now being in ministry and serving, uh, you know, in a pastoral position online and you're reaching the world. So, uh, and I get it, not everyone's called to that necessarily, but the ones that do feel that there's more for me in God, like there's more for me. I want to do something greater, bigger, that is going to make an impact in other people's lives, be it 10 people or 10 million people. But I want to do something that will impact other people's lives. How did you go from being a Christian with an encounter with God to doing that? What was that journey uh, like for you? It was very painful. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Um, no, I. So after I gave my life to Christ, a couple of days later, where I lived in Bahrain, there's this little park, um, and and I, there was this bench that I would go to. I went there. Uh, you know, I remember going there when I heard that my dad passed away, and I remember sitting there and weeping on that bench. And so that I just would go there whenever things were big that were happening big in my life, and so. I remember going there and saying, okay, God, I'm here and I, my life is yours. What do you want me to do? And all I can remember was this thing of, I want you to go reach the world. And I thought to myself, like, so now, now I live here in the U.S. When I tell friends that, you know, I grew up in Bahrain, we pull it up on Google Maps. You have to zoom in a couple of times before this thing, Bahrain, shows up because it's, it's extremely tiny. And so when I'm sitting there, I'm going, what am I going to do? Like, how in the world will you reach the world? Like, how do you do that? And I remember that the next step that I took was, you know, just like after I moved here, I would, I would serve at our church. I knew how to play the guitar and I would go, God, I'm not reaching the world. And, but I, but I knew that at this moment, this is where I was called to be. And I've got to be faithful in this. And as, as, as different opportunities came up, I, it was 2008 that I, I felt like God, my wife and I, we were praying. It was the end of the year and we were praying for the next year. It's like, just God, what do you want for us, our family? And I heard God tell us that he wanted me to quit my job and come work for him. And I did what any person would normally do, I think. I was like, no way. This is not like living in a different country. In the U.S., you need insurance. You need uh, all sorts of, you know, you need a house. You need all sorts of things. Uh, you have to pay taxes. And I don't know how to do it. Like, how do you do that? And I was like, God, you don't really pay that well. So how, how is all this going to work out? Well, so, I, so my, my clause was, if you tell Meryl the same thing, I'll know that I'm not just imagining this and it's not out of, out of my own imagination. Well, sure enough, God spoke to her and she came to me and said, hey, God said this, this is crazy because I wouldn't think of this. And I was like, well, he actually told me the same thing. And, this, you know, and so we made the decision for me to quit my job. I think that first year I told her that I will raise up an X amount of money for us to where you can quit your job as well and come, you know, we can be in ministry together because that was a dream. 
And I, I think part of me was just cocky a little bit because I was in sales and marketing and all that. And I was like, I don't know how to do this thing. You know, it's not that hard. Well, two years later, she's like, we're at the dining table. And she's like, you remember that thing you mentioned like two years ago, how in one year I would be able to quit my job? One, you're not bringing any money in. Two, this is just me. And we've got two kids now. And, and so it was probably one of the hardest seasons of my life because I was not reaching the world. I was not good at raising money. I, I just didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that. But I think hindsight is always twenty twenty. What I believe God was teaching me was God was teaching me that he's my source and not my skills or my ability to raise funds or my ability to get an opportunity to speak at churches or anything like that. But he was teaching me that he was my source. The cool part is even though we struggled financially in those two years, we never missed a payment. We never missed an electricity bill or a cell phone bill or anything like that. We had checks show up in the mail. We had all sorts of things. We, we had like cash show up places. We had companies give us credit because we had somehow they had charged us to, I mean like all sorts of stuff that God was just showing us. You thought you could do it. I'm just telling you, trust me. I've got this. And it was two years after that. It was in 2010 where I, I joined with Life Church. We were attending the church at the time, and an opportunity came up to join and be on staff. And so that's how I took that role. So I, it, w- it was a very difficult stage. Um, and even when I joined Life Church, um, they didn't know what to do with me. And so they're like, well, you know what? We're going to give you this role to be our kids' pastor at one of our locations. And my, this is honest. My honest response to that was, I was like, are you guys sure? Cause I'm not even good with my own kids. You want me to pastor like the, the church's kids? Like, are you kidding me? And that was a six month, seven month journey. And there was this, there's this core value. That's part of life church. It says we give up things we love for things we love even more. And it was specifically in that role. When I was a children's pastor, life kids pastor, like we call it here. I thought, man, God, you called me to reach the world. And I'm sitting here pastoring, like I'm a kid's pastor. Like, what is that? And I felt God just kind of grabbed me by the collar because I had prayed for an opportunity to join Life Church, And God just kind of stopped me in my track, said, you, you wanted to be a part of this job. You said you part of this church. You said you'd do anything. Now I've given you the amazing opportunity to pastor families and, and help them raise your kids. Are you complaining about that? And I just felt this thing hit me of like, okay, no, 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 I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I just made the decision. I'm going to be the best kids pastor that the world has ever seen. And that's what I'm going to do. And this thing of, I'm going to give up things I love for things I love even more. And the thing I truly love is to make sure that I'm doing what God wants. And if I'm walking in his will, it's not about my ambition to get on a certain stage or to reach a certain number of people, but my desire is to do what God has called me to do. And if he's called me to be a children's pastor, I'm going to be the best children's pastor that the world has ever seen. If he's called me to be an usher, I'm going to be the best usher that this world has. I'm going to, I'm going to reinvent the way ushering happens at churches. Like, I mean, that was my mindset. And it was seven months into that role where the leadership of our church came and said, hey, what do you think about this? And kind of that's how I stepped into this role. So it was definitely not a overnight, God, I want to reach the world. Here I am reaching the world. It was a journey and of learnings. Well, I think there's so much there um, for uh, those who are listening and those that are, um, that are called, have a sense of call to mission. Um, 
uh, I know that um, even in my own life, I've experienced exactly what you're talking about, uh, Alan, because I think uh, a couple of major points you hit there. Number one was God is the provision. God is the source. And if you're going to fulfill God's mission, you've got to trust that he's going to be the source uh, for everything you need to fulfill that mission. And I think a lot of us in our culture, in our world, in our society are raised to be self-sufficient, to be independent, to figure out how to do things on our own. Uh, it's sort of like that American dream, you know, one person, the underdog fights their way up and accomplishes great things. And sure, you need to be engaged, but ultimately you've got to lay down your independence and say, God, I'm dependent on you. And that's what's really going to make, uh, make the difference. And, um, and also that part about being faithful, being committed uh, to wherever God places you and saying, God, I'm going to be the best I can be in uh, what you've asked me to do in this season uh, of, my, of my life. Yeah, cause, I mean, I can even find myself, because I've been doing this now for seven years, I can find myself like, okay, uh, if, if I'm not in a healthy place, I can find myself looking at what I do right now and think you get, you get numb to it. You know, mm-hmm. you get numb to seeing the numbers and you get numb to all of that. And, and it's always reminding yourself, God, let me be faithful in this. And this is what you've called me to do. I'm going to be the best version of that um, as long as I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about um, giving up things we love for things we love even more. And I think, you know, that's a great, when we're looking at walking in what God's calling us to, you know, sometimes that does taking, that takes stripping down of old things and, and being able to step into new things. And so we hold on to sometimes um, material things or worldly things. Um, and God's, you know, there's this, picture out there on social media and stuff of, of, you know, when God says no or wait, you know, we see a little, he's, there's a Jesus, you know, uh, picture and he's holding a little teddy bear up front, but behind him is a huge teddy bear. And the idea that, you know, sometimes uh, it's a process and it takes time to see the fullness of what God's calling you into or what you're stepping into but being able to go, if it's something that, like, I'm willing to get rid of this old way or this old thing or something that I don't even need to be able to step into the new thing, even before we see that new thing. So being able to uh, release ourselves from those things, um, even when it, it, the full picture isn't there. Yeah, you're right. I think your 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 identity can even be wrapped up in things like that. I know... You know, for a long time, I thought I, I saw myself as a preacher, as being on stage and being in front of a live audience. And my identity was wrapped in that picture. And I thought if I was not doing that, then I'm not doing what God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. That's not the reality. The re- God didn't call me to be a preacher. God called me to get the good news out. He called me to preach the gospel, but not. it doesn't have to be on stage. And as soon as I was able to break out of that self-imposed identity and, and go, okay, God, it's not about my passion. It's not about what I enjoy doing, but what's your passion? What do you want me to do? And I think a lot of the people that sometimes I speak to, they're wrapped up in that, man, but I feel, you know, my this is my strengths. I feel called to do this. I'm an amazing preacher, but my pastor doesn't give me a chance to preach. Okay, well, first of all, who t- told you you're an amazing preacher was it your mirror or is there like is there a consensus and and again if you find yourself wrapped it's like yeah but i've got to be preaching 
and you've got it. And that was what happened to me with doing what I do. I could reach more people if I stopped mm-hmm. preaching. And, and so then the question was, which one do I want to do more? Do I want more people to hear the gospel or do I want to hold on to the preaching thing? And that was another place where it was like, okay, I'm going to give up what I love. I love preaching. I love talking in public and all that. But I'm giving that up because more than that, I want people to experience what I experienced. Mm-hmm. I can do more of that if I pick this route. And so I think not getting caught up in those things that you do, but just making sure that we're doing what God wants us to do over our own personal passions. Uh, you know, that sort of leads us into uh, this question. And I want to end, wrap up this uh, podcast with this, um, Alan. And, you know, we've been so blessed with just hearing your story, hearing your journey. Uh, you're going to be at Go Conference. We're going to talk more about um, your journey and your passion uh, and, and equipping people on reaching people. But let me end with asking you this question. You said you were sitting in that park bench in Bahrain and you had the sense that God wanted you to reach the world. And we talked, you know, obviously Life Church is doing, um, you know, incredible when it comes to methodology and how it needs to be done today and using technology, et cetera. We'll talk again about that at Go Conference. But why? Why? Why should we reach the world? What, what is the why behind all of this? What is the why behind, you know, giving up the things you love for the things you love more? What is the why behind, you know, stepping back from live preaching so you can reach more people? Why should we do that? If, if someone is listening to us right now and they're in church, they love God. Honestly, they love God. They want to do everything they can to serve God within the church and they can't wait to meet Jesus and be united with them in heaven. I mean, this is their, their goal. Their hope is eternity. They're living for God, but they're not reaching anyone. They've never shared the gospel or it's been a long time uh, since they've articulated the gospel message verbally. Because, you know, we have, there's, a, there's a saying that goes around, you know, uh, share the gospel or preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I, I can't stand that quote. I, I don't believe it's biblical. I believe that you have to share, you have to speak, you have to invite people to make a commitment to Christ. But if they haven't done that, why would you say they need to do that? Why should we get up as a church and want to reach the world? You know, I, I think about my life and how different it would have been if my friend didn't sit with me that night on that bench and ask me that question. Um, I, he had no way of knowing and I had no way of knowing what I would have the opportunity to be a part of and do. And, and I, when I think about God, God stands ready and willing to do what he needs to do, but he, you, he chooses to use people. And when I think about the eternity that someone's going to face, and I think about heaven and hell, and I think about, and what if God picked me as that one person to, who was in their life, and maybe all that I've got to do is just talk to them, invite them to church, maybe. It's whatever the situation is, like how, if, if, if I don't do that, and if that person loses their life, then I'm thinking about the responsibility that I'm carrying. And as followers of Christ, I think every person that we come across, this this story that challenged me recently, my uh, school season just started for us. And my oldest, she's nine, she just got into fourth grade. And she, her teacher is new to the area. And when her teacher was telling all her students that, 
my daughter walked up to her and said, hey, so you're new to the place, because she talked about trying to find an apartment or a house and all that. She said, if you're new to the place, have you found a church yet? And, and so the teacher was like, no, I haven't found a church yet, but I, I'd love to find one. She's like, well, can I give you something? And she gave her a little invite card to our church with the address on it. And so I was like, my daughter's name is Michaela. We call her Mia at home. I said, Mia, where'd you get the, where'd you get the invite card? She's like, well, daddy, you and mommy always talk about inviting. And so the last time I was at your office, I saw these invite cards. So I'm sorry, but I actually stole some and I didn't tell you. I was like, okay, that, that's totally fine. But she had that in her backpack. And when she heard the teacher say, I've got, I've got a, you know, I'm new to the area immediately her, she's nine years old and her mind's going to, I've got to invite her to church. Cause that's what we do. It's, it's who we are. There's this, it's like, there's no question in her nine year old mind. And I think if we as adults can get to that place of this is not just something we do, but it's who we are inviting, bringing someone to experience the love that we've experienced, to experience the life change that we've experienced we need to make sure that every person we talk to hears that because they could spend eternity in hell if it weren't, if it's, if, if we don't. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that it's not because a lot of times people say it's this opportunity we have. It's not just an opportunity. It's the greatest responsibility we have as a Mm -hmm. And that is the greatest calling that every one of us needs to walk into. It's not reserved for just the pastors or the evangelists or the prophets or the teachers, but it's every person who is a follower of Christ. It's our responsibility to bring them and invite them. And, and, and I, I, I know what I experienced on the outside. If you saw me pre-Christ, you would have thought I had everything. But somebody took the time to say, hold on, do you really have everything? Is there, is there something that is you're going through in life? And all I needed was somebody to ask me, and I poured my heart out, and they said, why don't you give God a shot? Mm-hmm. That was it. It wasn't the most articulate gospel presentation that I've heard in my life. It was, why don't you give God a shot? That was it. But that one sentence changed my life. And it's not just me who's different. My family's different. My kids, my nine-year-old is inviting today because that guy took the time to ask me that question. So I think we need to realize that wherever we are, whatever situation we're in, it might be at work, it might be family members, it might social media. Take the, take a second to just, you know, Tell somebody what you read from scripture. And a lot of times that opens up conversations as well. So I, 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 this, there is no other calling that's greater than this. And so I would encourage every one of you, just take a, just give God a shot and, and, you know, invite somebody and maybe you won't do it right the first time. That's okay. Trust God. And he'll give you the words at the right time and he'll help you answer the questions that you need to answer. But just, just one invite could change someone's life forever. That's awesome. So, I mean, uh, obviously, those of you that are listening, uh, I know this has been an encouragement to you and hopefully a challenge to you that God wants you uh, to take that step of faith and God wants you to go and, uh, and, and talk to somebody, share with somebody, uh, even if it's as simple as asking them to give God an opportunity to transform their lives. So, uh, Pastor Alan, thank you again for being on the podcast uh, today. We uh, are definitely blessed. I know our listeners are blessed. And we can't wait for you to come to Go Conference 2017. Uh, and so if you're listening, 
Check out goconference.ca, October 13th and 14th. Uh, we're going to have an incredible time. We've got some great speakers, including Pastor Allen, that's going to be there and it's going to equip us on how to go and how to share our faith effectively. I'll give you the last word, Pastor Allen. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be there too. I think it's exciting to see the church today leverage every tool and technology there is available for this mission. Um, there's no greater mission. We, we, do, we say this thing here, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. Because uh, to reach people who no one else is reaching, we've got to do doing so come attend the go conference i'm excited to be there thank you for the opportunity thanks again for being on here thank you thank you for tuning in for another episode of mission connect join us next week and if you haven't yet please subscribe to our podcast on itunes